good to see everyone out tonight. Hope and pray you've had a good Lord's Day so far. And I hope that uh, this evening will be good as well. And as we've assembled together to worship God in spirit and in truth and been able to sing these wonderful songs to his name's honor and glory and able to be led in this fine prayer. And now we have the privilege of opening our Bibles and studying from the word of God for a few minutes. I want to talk to us for a little while about the subject of loyalty. And the primary focus is going to be on loyalty to God. Loyalty to God. Loyalty is defined by Webster as the quality, state, or instant of being loyal. Faithfulness to a person, a government, a cause, or a duty. There are many relationships that require loyalty, such as our marriage relationship, family, work, friendships, business partnerships, citizenship in a nation, in the spiritual realm, loyalty is required, and also when it comes to the local congregation. And I know by this time Wes is probably saying, oh, this sounds like about an eight-part series. And he might be right, but tonight our plans are to talk mostly about loyalty to God. And so as we talk about loyalty to God, first of all, we notice that Christ demands loyalty. It's not really optional. If you're going to please him and go to heaven, then you must be loyal to him. We'll open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, we'll see that Jesus really, truly demands loyalty. Beginning with verse 34 of Matthew 10, Jesus says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. You know what a sword does? It cuts. It severs. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. In other words, what Jesus is saying that to us is that we must be loyal to him first and foremost. We cannot be more loyal to anyone else. We cannot be more loyal in any other relationship than our relationship with God. And so we cannot put our fathers, our mothers, our, our brothers, our sisters. We cannot put uh, our wives, our husbands, our in-laws. We can't put anyone before Christ. Our loyalty must be with him first of all. In Luke chapter 9 verse 23 the Bible says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In other words, Jesus is saying that we must put him first, even ahead of our own selves. We must take up our cross daily, every day, and follow Jesus. So, if we're going to please him, if we're going to have a home in heaven after a while, we must 
be loyal to Jesus. There's no way around it. Now I want us to talk for a little while about some reasons why man should be loyal to God. And when I talk about God, it may be God the Father or the Lord Jesus Christ. But we must be loyal to God. And so here are a few reasons. The first one is because he's the creator. That's just common sense, isn't it? If God is that powerful, if he is that far above man, that he is the creator of all things, then certainly we ought to be loyal to the one that is so great and holy, so mighty, the creator. God created all things. We start off in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, in the first chapter, in the first verse, as God is introducing himself to man, he said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That means God created all things. Again, in John 1, verse 1 through verse 3, John wrote and said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was uh, God. Uh, the same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So he's talking about Jesus before He became the daughter of Mary. When He was the incarnate Word, He was has always been. He was there at creation, and He created all things. Uh, the Father did through Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul backs that up again, writing by guidance of the Holy Spirit in verse 16 of Colossians 1. Paul said, For by him, talking about Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and for him since he has created all things we certainly should be loyal to the one who created all in hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 that great chapter on faith the bible says through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear in other words what he's saying is this God created everything from nothing. No one else could do that. Only God. And so when we're talking about the creator, the one that created everything that we see from nothing, we ought to be loyal to him. Psalm chapter 100 and verse 3, the psalmist wrote, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. Now, if we could have made ourselves, then we might have a little bit of an argument for being more loyal to ourselves than to God. But the psalmist makes it very clear. I didn't make myself. You didn't create yourself. Adam didn't create himself. The creator did. In Genesis 2, 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God created man. And so the one that uh, is the creator is greater by far than the one that was created. And in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24, Isaiah wrote, Thus saith the Lord, 
thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. You see, God is still forming people today from the womb. Uh, without God, you would not have life. And so we should all be loyal to him because he is the creator and we are the ones that's been created. Number two, we should be loyal to him because he is the great I am. And you know, he's not really great because we serve him and because we worship him. That's not what makes him great. The truth is this, he really doesn't have to have you and he doesn't have to have me. And he doesn't need my worship. That's a privilege that he has given me and a blessing that he's given you that we can honor and adore and worship him and praise him. But he doesn't have to have us. That's not what makes him great. He was already great before we ever came on the scene. He is the great I am. You remember Moses was talking to God in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, and he said, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I am that I am. That can't be said about all of us, but only about God. God has always been. He is the I am of the Bible. He has always existed. In Isaiah 43, verse 13, the Bible says, Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Before the day, God says, I am. Psalm 90, verse 2, the psalmist wrote about God and said, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. There's never been a time when he has not existed. He has always been. The other day, one of the children asked me, you know, about how did God come about? Who made God? I mean, to us, it's hard to really comprehend one that had no beginning. But that's why he's God. He's deity. He is the I am. He has always been. Before there was a creation, before there was the world, God existed. And he will always exist. He is the great I am. Who would not want to be loyal to one that has always been? Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 Jesus said I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet and Omega is the last Alpha and Omega beginning and the end he makes it plain the beginning and the end saith the Lord which is and which was and which is to come the Almighty think about that which is, which was, and which is to come. That pretty much covers it. No wonder he said to Moses, you tell the people that I am sent you. Not I was or I will be, I am. 
he has always been. And that also refers some to the fact that he doesn't change. As we find in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, where the Bible says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Some people use that way out of context and try to prove that miracles still exist today, but that has nothing to do with miracles whatsoever. Jesus has not changed. God does not change. Man changes, but not God. And so we should be loyal to him because he is the great I am. He's the creator, he's the great I am, and number three, we should be loyal to him because he is a spirit and not a physical being. He's a spirit. He's an eternal spirit. That ties back into being everlasting. He's always been. He's eternal. He will always be. When John 4, verse 24, the Bible says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We should be loyal to him because he is not a man. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. You see, human beings lie from time to time, don't they? I mean, it's, it, with Christians, that should not be a habit by any means. That not, should not be something that we uh, do on a regular basis or even think about lying. But the truth is, just like people, some have committed isolated acts, even the best of Christians, and stealing or whatever, whatever can happen, uh, forsaking to do things that they ought to do. We have moments of weakness. We get deceived sometimes, but not God. You see, he's not a man. We all have feet of clay, right? And just as sure as you lift a man up and put him on a pedestal, you're going to see that his feet will crumble. Just as sure as you think a man is so great and so holy and so wonderful that he'll never let you down, he'll let you down. But not God. You know why? Because he's not a man. You can be as loyal as can be to a man, and that man can still let you down, but not God. That's also mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 29, just about the same thing. And Job said of God in Job 42, verse 2, he said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. That can't be said about man. Man can't do everything. Man is a very limited creature, but not God. He can do everything because he's God. He's the spirit. He's, he's divine. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. That's why Job went on to say, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. There's nothing that God does not know. He knows everything he chooses to know. Some people think he may limit his knowledge, and there's some passages that may teach that, but the truth is that he knows everything he wants to know, and if he wants to know everything, he knows everything. He's not a man. You know, I want to be loyal to one that's not a man, especially 
because he does not have feet of clay. He will always do what's right. He will never do what's wrong. It should be easy to be loyal to one like Christ, our God the Father. Number four, we should be loyal to him because of his infinite, he is infinitely wise and knows what is best for us. When I say he's infinitely wise, his wisdom is limitless. There's no limit to his wisdom. God is all wise. You want to talk about wisdom? You want to have wisdom? Read the wisdom literature that's in the Bible. You want to sound like a Solomon? You read the book of Proverbs. You learn it. You study the book of Proverbs, and you, you speak what's in that book, and people around you would think you are the wisest person that they've ever met because it comes from God. Wisdom. His wisdom is limitless. He is the wise one. Many times we think we are wise, but, but, but compared to God's wisdom, we are all very foolish. But not God. He's wise. Look at Romans chapter 11. Paul talks about the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. Romans chapter 11, beginning with about verse 33. Paul wrote, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. What's the depth of his wisdom and knowledge? Can you find a bottom to it? There is no bottom. There is no limit to God's wisdom or to God's knowledge. That can't be said about man, but it can be about God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Who's counseled God? You know, today people go to counselors for every little thing you can think of. This kind of counselor, that kind of counselor, for this problem, that problem, this need, that need. You think anyone ever counsels God? Mm -mm. There's no one wise enough. God doesn't need a counselor. He is the great counselor. Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Who can know the depth of his wisdom and his knowledge? And you know something else? Because he is so wise, he knows exactly what's best for you and me. If we're just a little bit wise, we will go to him to seek wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We will take his advice. Too many times we're taking the advice of men and the things that they think they know and the things that they've written and the things that they've shared when really they don't know anything that God does not already know. And much of what they think and write is not right in the first place. But God's wisdom is right. And so you go to God, and then you listen to what he says, what he instructs, how he gives counsel to us on how to live our lives. So in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with about verse 7, Notice what the Bible says. Matthew 7, beginning with verse 7. 
Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. What a wonderful promise. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Can you imagine asking your father for some bread and he gives you a rock to chew on? Even human beings are not like that. Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Of course not. And if he then being evil compared to God, man is evil, right? Compared to God, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So you go to God. You talk to God. You make your request to God. You ask your Heavenly Father. And then notice what he tells us in verse 12. You're talking about some words of wisdom. Here it is, right here in verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. That's wisdom. What's he saying? You treat others like you want to be treated. Now, those of us that have lived for a while and have practiced the golden rule, we know just how much wisdom is in that statement. One reason we have lived such good lives and such blessed lives is because we have been busy blessing others during our lifetimes. And you know that when you try to bless someone else, the blessings come back many times more. You don't give to be blessed, but when you do for others, the blessings come. And for those who do not live to bless others and do for others, oftentimes they go lacking. It's just the way that it works. The golden rule. God knows what's best. And God says, you treat others like you want to be treated. That's a good place to start. You want someone to teach you the gospel? If you were lost, you would, wouldn't you? Then you teach others the gospel. If you were hungry, you'd want someone to feed you. Then you feed those that are hungry. Those that are needy. And so as we treat others like we would want to be treated then we are treated well ourselves. In Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, the same chapter, Jesus goes on to say, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way which leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be to find it. So God, Christ, says, Treat others like you want to be treated. And then he says, You enter in the straight gate. You walk down that narrow road, that narrow path. That's wisdom right there. It doesn't get any better than that. What is it that you could share with someone or teach someone that's outside the body of Christ than to teach them about the straight and narrow way that leads to heaven? Matthew 7, 21, you drop down just a few more verses. Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You want some wisdom? There it is. Do the will of the Father. And you'll be blessed. Oh, we need to be loyal to the one who, whose wisdom is infinite. There's no end to his wisdom. 
there's more wisdom in this one book than we can probably handle in a lifetime. We need to get all of it that we can. And we need to put it into practice. And then listen to what God says. Because he instructs us. God has always instructed his people. Mankind, period, has always had instructions from God. And if he would only follow God's instruction, all would be well with his soul. So we ought to be loyal to him because he's so wise and he, he guides us in the right direction always. But also, number five, we should be loyal to him because, of, because he is infinitely good. You can't measure God's goodness, can you? I mean, you could try, but how do you measure God's goodness? When you stop and think about the goodness of God, in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, you remember the man came to Jesus and he said to him, you know, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And you remember Jesus replied with a question, and he, he said, Why callest thou me good? There's none good save one, that is God. Jesus said, God is good. Very good. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 68, Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. God's not only good, he does good. That's what the psalmist said. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, there is none holy as the Lord. Do you believe that? There's no one as holy as he is. No one. For there is none besides thee, neither is there any rock like our God. Who wouldn't want to be loyal to one that was so good and so holy, and such a rock, such a, uh, he's so steady and sure for us. In Hebrews 4, verse 15, the Bible says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Oh, we ought to be loyal to him because of his infinite goodness. Jesus Christ is so good, he came, he took on the form of flesh, he lived in the same world that we live in, had the same temptations that we're tempted with, and yet he overcame every single temptation because he is good. So good. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, Peter said, Speaking of Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. It's hard to imagine to live this life for 33 and a half years in this world, suffer the many things that he suffered, be tempted in every way that others are tempted, and not commit one single sin. I want to be loyal to him. That's special. That's good. And so he is so good. You know, for some people it seems like it's just easy for them to be good. I don't know if that's the case or not, but my mom was a person that it just seemed like it was so easy for her to be good. Some of my children just seemed like it was so easy for them. It seemed to be so easy for Aletha, but I have struggled all my life. Why is that? I don't know. But I know this. There's no one whose goodness can really even compare with how good God is. He cannot even, uh, in, the, in the form of God, cannot even be tempted with sin. 
That's why Jesus had to take on the form of man to become a human in order to be tempted because otherwise he could not even be tempted. Oh, we should be loyal to God because, well, he loves man without measure. I love people that love me, don't you? That's easy, isn't it? When people don't like you or they're ugly or they ridicule you and they say bad things about you, now that's a little bit different. We're still commanded to love our enemies because God does and he commands us to, but boy, that's, you know, sometimes somebody just kind of, they say, it kind of sits in my craw and it doesn't sit well. Uh, but nonetheless, we're commanded to, to love those that are even our enemies. But, but to, to love someone that loves me to a, a point that it cannot even be measured, well, that ought to be easy to love him and want to be loyal to him. In James chapter 1, verse 17, James says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. When I stop and think about that, it blows my little mind just to, to think about every good gift. Just think about it. When you start, we sing the song, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. We've got blessings every day that we don't even realize are blessings. Blessings heaped upon blessings. And they all come from God. He loves us, doesn't he? When we know we don't deserve all the blessings that God bestows upon us, but yet he still pours them out abundantly upon every one of us. In Acts chapter 17, verse, I mean, Acts chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible says, Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, talking about Christ, in that he did good. That's what Jesus did. He went about doing good, didn't he? He did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. That word filling there can be translated satisfying. He satisfied our hearts with food uh, and gladness. And so he's given us whatever we need in this life, that which is good. He gives us rain. He gives us fruitful seasons. We have food to eat. Uh, we can have joy in our hearts. In Matthew 5, verse 45, is where Jesus said that you may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, because we're to love our enemies and, and treat, the, treat them well, and so that we'll be like our Father, which is in heaven. And then he says, For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Now how good is God? How loving is God? God loves man so much that he provides for him, even the unjust. Even those that don't love him, those that don't acknowledge him as God, those that are not loyal to him, those that do not even believe in him, yet he still loves them. And he sends them the rain and the sunshine. They have food to eat. They have clothes to wear. John 3.16 really tops it all off. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's love. I, I, can't, I can't go that deep. My love is not limitless like that. 
to give his only begotten son for a sinful world? Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do you measure that love? That God would give his only begotten son to die for sinful mankind. And that Jesus Christ would love us so much that he would come to earth and allow himself to be nailed to an old rugged cross for us. There are so many reasons why we ought to be loyal to God. We have just barely scratched the surface. But I believe that we can all say that we ought to all be very loyal to God because He is our Creator, because He's the Great I Am, because He is a Spirit, He's Deity, because of his, He's infinitely wise, because He's infinitely good, and because of His love. Because of who God is, He has made a way for sinful, wicked, evil people to be able to be saved. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. God loved man so much that he made a way for him to be saved. Even though he will never be flawless, he'll never be perfect as far as sinlessly perfect, he'll never reach that standard. Though very hard we ought to try, we should strive to be as perfect as can be. But as we do, we will realize as we compare our lives with the life of Christ how far we are off the mark. But yet we still strive and should strive. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to, to destroy. But I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came so that we could live an abundant life now, a life very rich and full with blessings, not meaning there will not be any suffering because the Bible teaches you must suffer in this life. We will, but that can be a good thing if our attitudes are right, our faith will grow, we'll be strengthened through it all. But in the life to come, we will have eternal life because Jesus came for us and died that we may have that opportunity. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9, the Bible says, In being made perfect, he, that's Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. He is the author of eternal salvation. He will save eternally, but he will only save those that faithfully obey him. What that means is those that will be loyal to him. You cannot allow yourself to come before him or your family to come before him or 
we could just list a host of other things that cannot come before him. He must be first and foremost in our lives. Our loyalty must be uh, to him first. So the question is this. If you have not already, will you obey? And will you be loyal to God? He will be loyal to you. He will do everything he's promised to do. God will never let you down. Never. He will always do what he has promised. He will always be true to his word. He's God. He cannot lie. Titus 1, 2. In John chapter 6, verse 67 and 68, after some of his disciples said that the, his sayings were difficult, they were hard, and the Bible says many of his disciples went away and walked no more with Jesus, and then Jesus turned to the twelve and he said, Will you also go away? In other words, will you be unloyal to me as well? Because the others were unloyal. They turned their backs on Jesus. They walked away from him. And so Jesus asked his apostles, Will you do the same? Will you become unloyal as well? And Peter very wisely answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. If you're going to be loyal to anyone in this lifetime, you make sure that you're loyal to God first. And then if you're going to have any other successful relationships, you're going to have to be loyal to those who are in those relationships with you. If you're not loyal, then those relationships will not last. You're here tonight and you haven't obeyed the gospel. The question is for you, will you obey him tonight? Will you promise tonight to be loyal to Jesus Christ? That means will you take his teachings and apply them to your lives? Will you be faithful to him unto death, Revelation 2.10? Will you be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58? Tonight, if you haven't been baptized into Christ. We encourage you to come forward believing with all your heart that Jesus Christ is Son of God, repenting of all your sins, and making that great confession that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then allow someone to baptize you into Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, so that you can be a child of God and you can begin your relationship with Him making that commitment, that promise to be loyal unto him all the days of your life. You will not regret it. If you're here tonight and you need to respond, once you come, us together, we stand and sing.